Oh, it was awesome. I love worship of pushing through in the Lord. And uh, just, uh, you know, I didn't even give I didn't give Chad or Noah who led the worship just what I was sharing on. I just I had I didn't even think we had a time to discuss it. You don't know what I'm preaching. But yet it ties in with the words that we we declaring that Jesus is Lord. And uh, I felt to share on that, that Jesus is Lord. And uh, so you might be here and you might think, yo, these guys are a bunch of palookas, you know, standing up here and worshiping passionately and making a noise. And you might think that's all emotionalism. It is. (laughs) There is emotions involved in declaring that Jesus is Lord. It requires everything of us. It requires our hearts, our minds. The Bible says worship and love the Lord with, with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, with everything. And so that is declaring Him Lord. <laughs> and because uh, He is Lord of all. And uh, I know we sing it, but it's like, do you know that? That He is Lord of all. I mean, and we've been going through the series, for those who haven't been part of us, we've been going through the series of Acts 2.42, and don't worry, I'm not going to be a, another add-on to the series. But, um, but I have been thinking about it because, I, I, you know, this, this level of living, this level of, of really declaring Him as Lord, is, it's not just that we pay homage in lip service, but it's actually a lifestyle. And uh, come on, let's face it, we've been preaching from Acts 2.42. This is how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to fellowship, to breaking bread. It's quite a commitment. It takes a lot out of you in a sense that it's an everyday lifestyle. But as I was reading that and as I was going through Acts 2.42 again, I was just thinking, what made this church so different? If I look at church today, it seems so far removed of that reality of living out the gospel. And what, what has changed? You know, what, what, What's made us different? And, and just the way we see it. I mean, Let's face it, we, church today, Christians live for themselves. Everything is about how it fits with me. I come to church because it's, it's is it good for me and my family. It's, and I come on convenience. I come on my terms. I come on all these things. Um, it's almost like a consumer mentality that, we, that, that the world has, and we bring it into church. But in doing so, we're actually not declaring Jesus as Lord because it's on your terms. And I, I just I want to stop there and just think about it, because I, I was actually thinking, what, what has changed that we become more spectators than participators? We become more, I come to be ministered to rather than to minister, because God has he's made us who believe the priesthood of believers. And we come to minister to the Lord. Do you know worship, like what we're doing, is ministering to the Lord. But we also minister one to another, and, and, and that's what we're called to do. We, we do it. We are the church. And uh, we all stand and we declare Him as Lord, and this is how we do it. And uh, I, was, I was kind of going through Acts 2.42, and as I was looking, I was trying to think, so what, what, what message did, did Peter give that was maybe different to the gospel that we give? I don't know, I was, just, I was kind of going through it. And so I went to Acts 2, and um, I went to, before we go there, to Acts 2, um, he was preaching, remember, remember they, they, they went to Jerusalem because Jesus said, wait for me in Jerusalem because I'm going to come, my Holy Spirit's going to come. And, and, and it says that, that the Holy Spirit did come and he broke out in the upper room. Remember that, that story? And, uh, and the guys were drunk, they were filled with the Spirit and it looked like they were drunk from, from the world's perspective. And Peter said, no, 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 they're not drunk, I'm just giving you 
a heads up for what's happening here. Uh, these guys aren't drunk, but they're filled with the Spirit. And he prophesies, Joel 2.28, that God will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. And, and so Peter's giving them, he's, he's making them look back to, to the words that they would have known because they were all Jews from the synagogue and they understood this. And so Peter was going back and he's saying, this is what's happening. But then he also goes and he points to David and he, and he uses Psalm 16 where David says, you know, I'll make your Lord, where it says, um, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And so he even uses the Psalms of David. But, but what really hits me, and I thought this is to me the pivotal key that Peter shares within the gospel that makes these guys maybe see what maybe we don't see. And he says this um, from verse 36. Did I give you that one, Becky? Uh, yeah. So it says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. I just want to stop there. There, there was something that, that Peter's declaring. And he says, This Jesus, whom you crucified, He's both Lord and Christ. These guys understood something there that maybe we've missed today. And I think because lordship was understood in those days, then what isn't understood today. Um, and I was kind of thinking, because when, and I, I'm, I do this, and I, I kind of say to people, you know, come to Jesus. He'll meet your needs. Come to Jesus because you'll fulfill that, that longing, that void that you had. But if I read the scripture here, what Peter's doing, okay? This is when the gospel was first preached, okay? Then he says this, and uh, verse, we can go to the next verse, 37. It says, now when they heard that, and, and Stephen shared this now. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? You know, the gospel needs to get us to a place where there has to be a response from me. You see, there's something here I want us to understand. Because he's saying, Jesus is Lord, and you've crucified him. That's, that's a heavy thing. It's not just Lord. It's like he's Lord of lords. He's Lord of all, and you've crucified him. And they, they come to you. see, an unperverted gospel, an undiluted gospel should bring people to this point where they respond, what must I do? It's not, you see... I think if we come from an approach that, you know, come to Jesus because we want to, we want to help you. And he wants to fix, you know, the, the add-on. It's almost like we we're talking about metanoia, changing way, repent. Who shared it? Someone shared it now. John, did you share it? I heard it. It just popped up. That thing of repentance. You see, these people came to the point where they realized Jesus is Lord. And what that actually means is I've got to submit. There's a reality. There's the Lord of Lords, and I've got to submit to that. Because then in verse, uh, but further down, Peter tells them to do something. And he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, if I tell you, come to Jesus because he's going to fill my needs and he's going to meet, maybe you've got issues in your marriage, maybe your kids are disobedient, or maybe you've got some addiction, come to Jesus because he's going to fix that. The problem with that is, it's like I'm going my way, right? I'm going my way. Come to Jesus. Okay, Jesus, come to me. and I'm still going my way. You know, come, come fill the void. Come fill the gap because I'm going there. Do you, do you see the difference? Where these guys came to the point that Jesus is Lord, it's like I'm at a crossroad in my life. 
I'm either going to go my way or I'm going to go his way. There isn't an add-on Jesus into my, into my life. He's not an add-on. He's not a filler. Okay? He's a replacement. <laughs> There's a difference, church. There's a difference. There's a replacement. Jesus is Lord, which means it's no longer about me and the direction I'm going. It's like, God, okay, you, Lord, so I've got to change, which means, and then Peter says, but you've got to repent. Now, repent means change the way you're thinking, change the way you're doing things, change your life. Because you've got a new Lord, and you've got to submit to Him as Lord. He's Lord of all. And God has made Him, now listen to this, God has made Him both Lord and Christ. God has made Him, not you. Often, I mean, I'm guilty of this. Hey, when I present the gospel, come to Jesus, make Him Lord. No, He's already Lord. Submit to His Lordship, Yes. But come to him and recognize that. I know, I, I get it wrong many times. Eh? And I think, you know, just God has hit, hit me quite hard just with this thing of lordship. God, I'm, I'm, how often do I declare you as Lord in my life? And see, that word Lord is actually the word kurios. It's master of all. Come and make him master and receive him as Christos, as Christ, the anointed one. Receive that and be baptized. You know, that's the first command from that place, is be baptized. Hey, isn't that great? So we're getting a baptism? Hey? That's awesome. That's obedience. And I hope every single one of you that have come to that place of salvation, receiving him as who he is, that he is Lord, but but the first step is, I need to get baptized. If you haven't been baptized, I want to encourage you, get baptized. You have to. It's a command. Jesus doesn't say, if you feel when you're ready, get baptized. You know, God, no, get baptized. That's the first point of repentance. Part of changing the way you were going is, is that thing, I need to die. Everything that resembles the old self needs to die, and I need to show it and reflect it by a command that Jesus gives me. And when I come up, I come up as a new creation. I come up as someone who's submitted to the Lordship of Christ. And he rules me, and he leads me, and I'm following him. And, uh, yo. and I think maybe the church then understood something of the severity of salvation and, and, the, and the, 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 what it really means, the importance of what they were actually doing by declaring Jesus as Lord. Because we can read, but further on, now from Acts 2.42, the church is growing, the church is going lacquer in Jerusalem, and we see... Things happening. There's life. There's, there's things happening. And, and, and then you go to Acts 5, verses 13 to 14. I want to read this because this scripture might appear as an oxymoron. You know what an oxymoron is? It might look like a, a contradiction if you read this. It says, yet, now this is as the people who've been added to the church. It says, and yet no, none of the rest dared join them. It's talking about the church. But the people esteemed them highly. And, believed, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Go to verse 14. It says, uh, yeah, okay. Now, what I find quite interesting about this, it says no one dared join them, okay? So, so some people understood, hey, look, when you join these guys, you, you're submitting to the Lordship of Christ and what that actually means. And they understood that. And I think maybe we've Missed it, because people can slip into church quite easily nowadays, and they can slip out. But these guys didn't. They understood something. It says no one dared join them, but yet God added to those. Now, who did he add? 
Well, he added those who did make that declaration in their hearts that Jesus is Lord. In verse 14, he says, yet more believers were added to the church? No. More believers were added to what? To the Lord. Do you, do you see where this is going? You see, because when you add it to the church, it doesn't feel, oh, you know, I'm added to church tomorrow, I can go. No, you add it to the Lord. You add it to the acknowledgement that there's a Lord. That's what these guys, so you, when you come to us and you join us, you actually, you're not submitting to the Lordship of Benny or Chad or John or Bob or Andrew or Josh Jen. You're submitting to the Lord. You're his master. Do you understand? His, oh, sorry, he's your, your master. He's curious. He's curious. I, I don't know. I, I, was, I was really just studying this, and, and I thought, God, maybe I missed so much about understanding this. Because something about these guys, they understood. Even the guys that were outside the church understood this better than the people in our church at times. Because they didn't dare join. I mean, we just had the Ananias and Sapphira incident just before that. You can understand why they didn't just join. And imagine. Hey, listen, come to our church. Yes, people die because they lie to God. But, you know, we, we, we have lack of coffee. You know, we got, you know it's not going to be a selling point if you know you can die here. You know, it's like, God, work with us, please. We're trying to bring in the church. Not, but God was sifting out those who were true and genuine believers for, versus those who weren't. Those who were declaring him as Lord and those who weren't. And I don't know, I, I think that just we, we're under grace at the moment, and I don't know how, I think the church is going to rise to a place where the Ananias and Sapphira incidents might still happen. But Not that I want that to happen, but I want to see the glory of the Lord manifest in this place. I want to see signs and miracles. And I know that's going to happen because there's a people that declare him as Lord. You know, the funny thing is a lot of us say, you know, I, can, I, I love to add myself, uh, me and Jesus, you know, we've got, we got a relationship, but I, I don't have a relationship. I don't, I'm not part of a church. You know, that's such a contradiction. I, I was doing a study the other day, and I thought, yo, this hit me in the eyes. And uh, between the eyes, sorry. <laughs> but, you know, we all know the word ecclesia means the, the gathering together. You know, the, 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 the called out ones, the, the gathering together. Ecclesia is the, the gathering of. So in a sense, we are a gathering of people, the ecclesia of people coming together. But I started doing a little bit more deeper research into this ecclesia. Do you know, do you know the word church actually originates from the English word, uh, I'm trying to pronounce it, is kritche. And uh, that word comes from, uh, is another word, it's a Jamaic word, okay, which is kerka, which is where, where we get the, the Dutch called kerk, kerk. Afrikaans, kerk, so it originates from there, okay, that word, now, now hear what I'm trying to say here, because it's very interesting, kerk, kerk, yeah, we Afrikaans say kerk, but, but the, the Dutch is kerk, okay, <laughs> anyway, you guys are missing the point here, I'm trying to get to something, <laughs> now, it's originated from the word kerker, meaning of the Lord, you are possessions of the Lord. You are ecclesia, a group of people of the Lord. I thought, I've never seen it. You're not just a group of people. You're a group of people who have declared Jesus as Lord. Do you, do you see why you can't say, I'm, 
I've received Jesus and it's me and him and not be bound to you because we're a gathering of people of the Lord. Now, I get it. We've all been hurt and had offenses and stuff, but that doesn't change the fact that God has called Ecclesia people, a cake, a group of people who are called to be for the Lord together. Now, the other point I want to make is in this, by implication when Jesus is curious, what does that make us? Is doulos. Jesus is master. Jesus is Lord. What does that make you? Slave. Now, that's a word we don't hear often. Huh? That's a word we don't like to use. And, uh, but I've been reading about it because it's, 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 oh, it's something God has just opened my eyes a lot on this. And um, see, if there's a curious, there has to be a doulos. There's a master, there has to be a slave. And Jesus is your master because he purchased you as a slave. Now think about that. Because I believe part of this, part of being a doulos, by implication, we're declaring that there is a kurios. Okay? We are here. Tell me, who can see Jesus as Lord? The world can't. So the world needs to see Jesus as Lord. But in order for the world to see Jesus as Lord... He's got to see us who are the doulos, the slaves. Okay, the world's not going to ask, oh, so Jesus is Lord. But they're going to see it in the lifestyle. Let's say John is living out a life of being a slave to Christ. That points him to, well, John's a slave. So who's his master? And so it points people to a question. Now, in case you're thinking that is, sounds foreign, that's not biblical. Well, let's, let's go to 1 Peter 3, verses 15. Because this kind of opened my eyes to something. This is why being a doulos is so important. It's part of our witness. To be a slave is a witness. And here it says, Be sancti sanctify the Lord God in all your hearts. Some of your versions will say, Make the Lord, make, sorry, sanctify, set apart the Lord, okay, that He is Lord, God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is within you in the meekness and fear. Now, no, notice what that scripture is saying. It says, so as you set Jesus as Lord in your heart, it's going to provoke people to ask you questions. And the question they're going to ask you, they're going to say, you're a slave. You're a slave to, to God. You know, tell me something about your curios, curios. Tell me something about him. Tell me your master. And when that happens, you will be able to give a reason for the hope. You see, we're not just here to to just speak the gospel. We're here to provoke people to ask questions in order for you to speak the gospel. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? They, people need to come to the place where they see that you are a slave. And it gives you in that an opportunity to minister Jesus to those people. I don't know. How, how good are we reflecting the fact that we are doulosses to the Lord? I've got to ask that question to myself. How much am I reflecting that I'm a slave of Christ? It's a hard, it's a hard concept, hey, but it's, it's a concept that, that God has given to us as He is Lord, as He's made Lord. The thing is, we are slaves, we are doulos, but can I say we are self-inflicted slaves? I'm a slave to Christ because I've chosen to be a slave of Christ. And that provokes people to ask that question even more so. Wow, you're like sitting in a prison and you've got your own key. And what's with that? You're stuck in jail, but you've got a key. You can go out tomorrow. Yes, 
but I've chosen to be a slave because you don't know my curious. There's something I want to point to. My curious is far greater than my freedom to do what I want to do. And so that points people. It gives them an urge. It gives them a hunger. It's saying, what is that? And that's what, that's what Peter says. When they, when they get to that place, give them a reason for the hope. So in a sense, you, you want to see my curious. I want to show you the hope. Here's my hope. Here's my He's where I set my gaze. He's my affections. He's what Paul says. I count everything rubbish in comparison to knowing my curios. That's, that's what we had to reflect. Oh, what kind of master do you serve would be the question. And I think part of our witness is both being and saying. If, we, if you read Peter, you know, often we say, oh, I don't want to preach the gospel. I'm just going to live it. No, you've got to do both. If you see Peter, you've got to live it, provokes questions, and then you speak it. The gospel needs to be spoken. Galatians 2.20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in him, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see that? It's a different type of... He's given himself. He's acknowledged that Jesus is Lord. Now, like I said, we, we are self-inflicted slaves, really. All of us. But you know what? Jesus is the example of that, isn't he? If we look at Jesus, he didn't, he didn't just get grabbed and, and they you know, brought him to, to be executed. He, he said, I, you didn't take my life, I gave it. In fact, John 10, 18, it says that, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. This is Jesus saying, I have authority to lay it down, I have authority to take it up again. And this charge I've received from my Father. Now, I was just thinking about this, because, you know, we often look at the word slave and and we, we don't quite understand this, but Jesus, he chose to submit to the Father. It was the Father's will. It, it wasn't Jesus' will. Did you know that? He even said that in the garden. He says, God, not my will, but your will will be done. So there was a submission even that Jesus had. And it wasn't his will. Now, that doesn't mean God was indifferent, that Jesus, the Son, was indifferent to the Father. It just means they were two different persons, which the Bible says, you know, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, three distinct persons, but yet one. And Jesus had a will, and he submitted his will to the Father's will. But he gave it himself, and the Bible says that we are to have that mind. And you know, this is where I find it very interesting, because I've been reading up by a lot of theologians, and you know the word slave, doulos, if you take the direct translations in the Greek, you know that word, it's mentioned 800 times in the Old Testament. It's mentioned over 150 times in the New Testament. But you know what the problem is? Our New, our New Testament, well, not only the New Testament, but the, the translators didn't always convey the word slave over, over when they translated it. Did you know that? So a lot of what we read, we'll read a substitute for the word slave, which hasn't done well for the Bible far as I'm concerned. I'm not saying you need to throw your Bible away because I'm just saying when the translator did the translation, they didn't translate it properly. They, New King James, NIV, ESV, all, all of them, most of them cut out the word slave and replaced it 
And that word slave was doulos. And the reason doulos isn't a substitute for servant. Doulos isn't a substitute for a hired man. Doulos isn't a substitute for, what other words are there? Is, uh, workers, helpers, none of that. Doulos has only got one word, and that's slave. Now, the problem with that is, because of that translation, we, I believe, view the gospel with a, with a lens, unfortunately. And, and I can understand why, why a lot of the guys did it. They did it because that word slave is such a harsh word, isn't it? That stigma that's attached to slave is, is horrible. And so, you know, but the Bible does use slave a few times when it's actually referring to a physical slave. Then it uses it but because they couldn't get around it. But a lot of the terms that it uses for us who are born again that, that made Jesus, remember what I said, it makes, as you make Jesus curious, by implication, that does make you a doulos. You can't get around it. You, you can't say, well, I'm a, I'm a servant. No, you're a slave because there's a kurios. Do you, do you understand that? You can't get around it. <laughs> and um, I was just, just reading the, just the translations of this. And, and the reason it's such a stigma, people are trying to avoid that word because it's, it's so horrible. <laughs> I mean, we've seen, I mean, we live in apartheid times. And we understood that. I was even looking at the history of George. Did you know, and I, Lauren showed me yesterday, I was just reading up. There, just at the top of York Street, um, right next to Panerotti's, there's an old tree. And I, I don't know what's left of it, if the bugs got to it. But there's a chain around that tree with a lock. And what happened a few hundred years, well, 1800s, they, they would, the, the slaves would actually go around that tree, and they would be chained to that tree around there. And people from the markets would come and buy people, slaves, from that tree. Yeah, just in York Street. Interesting. Huh? I didn't know that. And it's still there. Um, but I thought, isn't that ironic? Isn't that exactly what happened to us? You know, through Adam and Eve, who sinned, who ate of a tree that God told them not to eat of, they were bound to a tree. They were bound to a law. They were bound to sin. We were chained to that. And you know, Jesus came walking. And he saw us. And he saw us bound to that. And he says, I'm going to purchase you as a slave. You're going to be mine. And he bought us. But he didn't buy us with gold or silver or anything like that. He bought us with his own precious blood. He redeemed you. He set you free from that tree. Isn't that amazing. We don't have to be slaves of sin. We don't have to be slaves of our old masters, which is the law. Paul speaks about that. The law was your old master. You don't have to be mastered by the law anymore because Christ has set you free. And today you can receive him. You can receive him because if you choose, he has purchased you. And you can respond to him as Lord, but then you're his slave. You're his doulos, but he's a good doulos. He's a good kurios, and he knows how to give good gifts to us. And he knows how to love us. He knows how to care for us. And this morning, I want to maybe just even create an opportunity for that. Some of you sitting here, you've been living for yourself. You've been living, doing your own things. Today is the day that you recognize Jesus at the slave market, at the slave tree, and saying, I want to purchase you. Don't think you're living free. You might think you're living free. Can I say, you're living in the flesh. You young guys, I want to say the flesh is strong. The hormones are going. Anything can happen. But you're a slave 
to the flesh. You can be free from it. Older people, Ganga, we all can be set free from those things. And we need to realize that Christ came to take that away. You don't have to be a slave to that anymore. Do you believe that? We need to, church. We need to believe that. Because Christ came to redeem us from that law, from that old slave master. One Corinthians six, nineteen to twenty. Well, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Do you, do you see? You belong to God. You don't belong to me. I didn't purchase you. You don't belong to Josh Jane or Andrew. You belong to God. He's purchased you. How are you doing? Are you reflecting a true doulos? The people look at you today and they come up to you. Could they honestly say that you're a doulos and they show me your curios? Or if they were to ask you as a doulos that you're a doulos to sin, would they see that? Your master is what everybody else in the world's master is. Or do you have a different master? And the reason I also want to bring this point is because I believe as church, even for us, I believe there's a season for some of us who have joined. It's going to be a season of almost like where the sensation and the enjoyment and the thrill begins to subside. You know, almost like that honeymoon period begins to go. There's going to be a call to whether you commit to this or not. And the reason I'm stating this, because if you come with a perception of servant, if you come to the perception of hired man, there's going to come a point when, when things get hard and things get difficult, as you've, God's joined you with us, there's going to come a moment where you're going to say, I'm a servant or I'm a slave. And a servant will be able to resign. A slave won't. Think of it. I mean, I've been employed... There's times that I've just wanted to just hand in that signature many times. And it's the same with the church. You can leave tomorrow. You can leave. But I want to say, are you going to leave because you're a servant? Because that's not going to be a reflection of God as your curios. Because this is just a, like a, a vocation. I'm here tomorrow. I'm here today. Gone tomorrow. I resign. I've had enough. I'm tired. People have gotten too much. We can do that. But I want to encourage you to see past that, not to see yourself as just a servant or a hired hand. And I want to say, even as leaders, I want to encourage you guys, as leaders, we're not hired hands. We're not. John 10, 12, Jesus warns, be careful of people that are like this, who are leading you. And says, well, do you not know that your body is, no, that's not the one. <laughs> Sorry, Bex, but uh, John 10, did I give you that one? Okay, okay. And he's talking about leaders. He's talking about shepherd, and Jesus is addressing this. But a hireling, he who is not a shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Now, what he was saying is, look, Jesus is saying there's a difference between a hireling and a shepherd. One is when the wolf comes, the hireling is just going to go. He's going to be off because he's not going to give himself for this. 
But a true shepherd does. He understands that he's called to this. I'm, you know, as, as an elder, I didn't come because I got paid. I, I've only been on full-time for a year. But for 20 years, I haven't been paid by the church. I wasn't a hireling, not that I am now, but you know, I've always committed myself. I, the way I've seen the church is because I've made Jesus as Lord, I'm committed to you. I'm, I've got to be a shepherd to you because you actually belong to him. He purchased you. And so I've got to give everything of myself that he considers precious. And I've got to guard and look after and cherish. And there's moments, I want to say, church, and I love you as much as I love you, but there's going to be moments in my life, and I know there has been, where I just want to say, I want to resign. This person is just too much. He's just hard to lead. He's difficult. He's so indifferent. Everything I do is like I give my life, I give everything, and they still choose to reject you or to reject your input, your, your commitment to them. And there's times that I've got to say, okay, God, this is not a vocation. This is not a job. Because if it was, I would have resigned long ago. And I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure all of you would have. Chad would have. But because we committed to the Lord, we've decided to push through. Because we love the Lord and we love you because we love the Lord. I don't want to go on too long. But then the Bible says this. Let this mind be in you. Philippians 2, 5-11. Have this mind among yourselves. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant. See, that's another word they've used, they've replaced with, with slave. And coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every other name. Jesus chose to become a slave. And it says, let this mind be in you. I, unfortunately, as much as the commentators may have got good intentions, I think it was a very dangerous thing by replacing the word doulos with servant or bondservant or hired hand or helper. We are slaves of Christ. And it says, let this mind be in you. You see, if you don't see that, if you don't see yourself as a doulos, you can't truly have the mind of Christ. Do you, do you see that? You've got to see that. We are doulosses of Christ. And in case you think that's foreign, Paul refers to himself as a doulos. Philippians 1, as a slave of Christ. Romans 1, 1, slave of Christ. Titus 1, Paul is slave. James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, didn't say, I, James, as he wrote the letter, the half-brother of Jesus, who shared the womb with Jesus, as to put himself on the same place as Jesus. Even James came to the point where he says, James, a slave of Christ. And Peter, not to be outdone, in 2 Peter 1 verses 1, Peter, the slave, Jude, the slave, John, who wrote the book of Revelations, said, John, the slave. Man, these are the apostles that God did great works through. And they were slaves. Who am I? Are we a slave, church? Do we see ourselves as such? But having said all that, 
I want you to turn just to John 15 quickly. Verses 14 to 16. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants. Now that word would have been slaves. For servants or slaves does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all things that I've heard from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Now, Jesus wasn't disqualifying everything he just said about being a slave. He's saying, I no longer call you slaves. He says, I'm not going to just treat you as though that is all you are. Think of it. That's what he's saying. I'm, I'm going I'm to give you something more. I'm going to let you know about my business. Now, think of it. The slaves in those days didn't question their masters. The masters go and do this. You can go, oh, Why? You know, what do you want to do there? No, he just did it. And there was a sense in which, if you think of a doulos, basically the only thing you're doing that is right is to be faithful, right? But Jesus is saying, look, it's not just that you're going to be faithful. I'm going to make you aware of my business. We, because of our intimacy, I'm going to call you friend. I'm going to show you what you're going to do, but I'm going to... I'm going to give it to you. I'm going, to, I'm going to explain it. I'm going to give you the keys of my kingdom. I'm going to explain what my kingdom's about. And as you see it, I'm going to make you aware of it. And I'm, you know, I'm not just going to treat you like just a slave. Although you are a slave, that's not all you are. You're also my friend. Okay? Think of it. That, that's what he's saying. I'm going to make you know everything about my business. Isn't that amazing? That's the beauty of who God is. And think of it. The differences with the slave, do loss. Is, is that you're just faithful. But now, to be a friend and to know the business, it's going to require faith as well to do what Jesus called us to do. You see, God hasn't called us just to be faithful. He's called us to have faith in what He's doing. And to have faith in what He's doing is we need to see Him. And we need to see the purposes and plans of the kingdom. Not that He reveals everything about the kingdom to us, because I don't think we can comprehend it. But He does re- reveal secrets of His heart. He says, come, come, I want to show you. And in that, there's a faith that God stirs within us to do. And so it's not just our faithfulness, but it's the faith that God is calling us to. And so Jesus doesn't expel the fact that we are servants, that we're slaves. You know, imagine if I said to Chad, um, you're my friend, Chad. I, I want to be friends with you. But in order to be friends with you, <laughs> I want you to do everything I tell you to do. Now, you're going to say there's something wrong with this relationship. But you see, there's, there's an undertone to that, what Jesus is saying. He says, you're my friend, but, it's, but it doesn't exclude that you're a slave. Uh, there's an undertone of, you are my slave, yes, but you're also my friend. Do you, do you see that? Do you see what Jesus is driving at? And I don't know about you, but I want to be ready when he comes back. I want to be a, a servant that, yes, I was faithful. But it's not only that faithful, that I, the faithfulness that God is coming back to. Is He's going to say, did you have faith in what I was doing? Did you, did you do what I told you to do? Did you go where I told you to go? Did you speak when I told you to speak? Did you have faith for those things? Did you see me come through? And, and, and you know, it's, it's those things that he's going to come back. It's not just that we are servants. Think of it. Think of the servants and the talents. The one just buried it and the other one 
went invested and more came and the investment. Well, Jesus is going to come back to that. How's your investments? And I want to close just by looking at Matthew 25 where he says, his master said to him, well done, my good and faithful slave. Servants, yeah. That's a word that we got drummed into us. I know I have. Go and, go and look it up. Doulos, slave. Well done, my good and faithful slave. God still considers us a friend, but he's still us. Curious. So in closing, I don't want to presume everybody here has made Jesus Lord of your life. But you know what? Every single one of us have to come to that place where we do.